welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. Full crew in-house tonight. Mike McDaniel, Ricky LeBlue. I'd say it's good to be back. I wish the circumstances were better, huh? Yeah, every time we jump on here to record a podcast, it's Virginia Tech losing in some fashion that seems new, but really isn't. Yeah, this team is... uh not very good not very good um let's let's start off the top uh thoughts and prayers to the uva community family and friends of the victims uh greater charlottesville area we're all with you i mean it's just life hit real hard on monday uh sunday night into monday so just wanted to uh say something off the top obviously very very sad situation there so absolutely cosign yeah i mean it it it's one of those things that really does go without saying but you know as we prepare to sit here for the next 30 40 50 minutes whatever it may be and you know rant about a a football team's lack of success as if it's it's really important, you know, in perspective, it's not <laughs> right. It's it's really not. So I want to mention this too, um, because I just actually purchased a sweatshirt. So Barstool, um, two of the three Virginia players that were killed were Barstool athletes and they had like NIL deals with Barstool and, uh, Dave Portnoy put out a tweet, regardless of what you think of Barstool. I know some people love Barstool. Some people hate Barstool. Some people just don't care. Regardless of what you think of Barstool, they put out a uh, tweet this evening as we record here on Tuesday night. Uh, They are selling T-shirts, hoodies, and crew neck sweatshirts that say Charlottesville Strong with um, the, the number of each individual player on the back of the sweatshirt, a hundred percent of the proceeds are going to the victim's families. So I felt like that was important to put out there. I, I just purchased one. Um, I don't even know how, how much I'll wear it. I just think it's really important to help the families in any way we can. So I just wanted to put that out there. If people were interested. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, we'll, we can tweet the link to that for sure. We can tweet the link to, uh, direct GoFundMe's, stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure our listening audience are, are, are very online people, as the three of us very much qualify as. I'm sure that some of you have seen this stuff already, but it's you know, always good to to share that information as best we can. But uh, yeah, definitely just, you know, thoughts, you know, I know thoughts and prayers sounds so stereotypical but in a situation like this you know we as random people are are pretty powerless in the situation so all you can do is extend your love and extend your support and make it clear that as much as we uh, as fans like to beef with the folks in charlottesville you know when it comes to matters of humanity and, and and real life and true you know unthinkable tragedy 
for for three young men who, by all accounts, were great people and had really, really bright futures ahead of them uh, on the football field and otherwise. It's a uh, it's a shame, and we certainly, uh, you know, have had them in our thoughts, and we'll continue to have them in our thoughts, you know, as as this sad situation uh, progresses. But yeah, as sad as it might seem, uh, our conversation about the state of Virginia Tech football, uh, you know, is something that, given that we missed last week, we need to touch on. Uh, First, got to thank the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy, Main Street Pharmacy, downtown Blacksburg. Pharmacy that you don't want to go to if you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number, and look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything we need. All right, gentlemen, well, it's been a couple of weeks, and uh, I know that when we were previewing the season, when one Ricky LeBlue said that we were going to go nine and three. I said six and six, which was obviously still a pretty large overstatement at that point. I would defend myself and say I, I would have picked lower, but I was really only going to go five and seven. Which still, still wrong. Can't happen. <laughs> still my, can't happen. My, my, my co-host on my ACC podcast, Joey Weaver, picked Virginia Tech to go four and eight, and he, even he is going to be wrong, I think. so. Correct. That's, that's there you uh, go. In all likelihood. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that regardless of the record that you picked, Duke was a game that everyone coming into the year had marked in the W column. I, I think that I immersed myself in the game by game previews of many of our our colleagues and compadres of the Virginia Tech punditry world i guess you could put it no one going to the year was picking duke and in comes two and seven virginia tech nine and a half point underdogs in durham and duke covered that spread uh with relative ease Take it on the micro, take it on the macro. I don't even know where to go with this. Gentlemen, the floor is yours. Mike, do you want do you want to go or you want me to start? I mean I, I uh I mean I can keep I can keep it pretty brief because like this is kind of the same old song and dance, right? Like there are a couple different ways to lose football games, right? You can either get blown out like we saw tech do against west virginia which was weird because they were in the game for a while or north carolina where they were never really in the game at all or pittsburgh where they were in it for a little while they got blown out it was kind of similar to west virginia almost that that pick game um or you know you could lose close right you could turn the ball over five times against old dominion almost win in spite of that you could blow two fourth quarter leads against NC State and Georgia Tech. And then Duke kind of falls somewhere in the middle, right? Like Virginia Tech defensively, I thought played really well, really for the entire game, um, kept Tech in it. Offense, you know, scored early, right? Grant Wells throws a touchdown pass to Lofton. It's like, okay, that's a nice start. And then that was it. 
And really what this boils down to is all year long, there just hasn't been enough consistency across the board, but it's manifest itself in different ways. You know, whether it's been, you know, penalties, which wasn't an issue against Duke, you know, tech was not, tech didn't have issues with penalties against Duke, um, but they've had penalty issues all season, whether it's, you know, defensively holding up for three quarters and then collapsing in the fourth, which, you know, part of it, you can put on that side of the ball, but a lot of it, in my opinion, you can put on the offensive side of the ball for not staying on the field for three quarters and the defense just getting exhausted. And then, you know, on the offensive side in of itself, like it's been a total system failure. The, the play calling hasn't been good enough. The players certainly haven't been good enough. Um, the offensive line has been terrible. It, it's the worst unit on, on the team, the offensive line. So, I mean, really what it boils down to is, you know, the reason why Tech is sitting where they are at two and eight and kind of worse than what we all predicted is because there's just no consistency anywhere on this team, any position group. Like, there's just no consistency. And that's on the players. That's on the coaches. Some of it is what Pry inherited. Um, some of it is not getting the best out of the, the players you got. That's a coaching thing. It's just like, it's like same old stuff, but it's almost like the, the players that are in there right now just aren't responding well to the new coaching. And that's not necessarily a slight on the coaching staff. I mean, I, I'm of the opinion this team needs a total overhaul in terms of roster turnover. Like, I think the Fuente guys need to go. I think, you know, Pry needs to hit the portal hard. I think, you know, bringing in multiple recruiting classes, regardless of what they're ranked, just getting your own guys in there that, that play more to the scheme that you want to play is going to be really important. It's just really going to take some time. Um, but, you know, fans don't want to hear that because fans want results now. And I think that's that's fair. On one hand, I'm like, well, going into the year, like, what did you expect? You know, when I see some of the reaction on social media, but at the same time, like, I also understand, like, it's fair to be upset about the way that the team's playing because they're not even meeting even like low expectations, I think, were set, you know, prior to the season. Um Andrew, you said six and six, but you know, you probably would have gone like five and seven. I said seven and five, thinking, you know, worst case, maybe five and seven. Um, Ricky, I know you went eight and four, but a lot of that was because you looked at the schedule and said nine and three. You're nine and three, and you looked at the schedule and you were like, Why can't tech win nine games here? Which I think was also fair. So I, I don't know. I I just the bottom line is like I don't think Fuente left a two and eight roster behind. That's that's like the bottom line. I, I don't think this team on paper was a two and eight roster. So you know, blame whoever you want. I think everybody can share in it a bit. You just touched on something that I think is really important to mention. And I hate sounding like this in year one, but this is not a two and eight roster. Like the roster's not good. That's obvious, right? Like you mentioned the offensive line has been 
really, really rough all season. The quarterback play has been pretty bad. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to – I'm not – I know there are some folks that are willing to give Grant Wells a pass, but I'm not one of them. Um, they've had some injuries at running back. That's certainly uh, certainly important to mention. And uh, the, the team is still missing their best corner in Dorian Strong, and he's done for the year. Um, but this is not a two and eight roster. Like there were some guys that were on this roster last year that are no longer here, but there's not all that many changes. And this team has absolutely just taken a nosedive. Um, I, I don't know what the exact cause of that is. I don't know if it's on Brent Pry. I don't know if it's, um, if it's on maybe some of his assistants, I don't know if it's on the players for not adapting, but this is, this is like as bad as, as bad as it ever could have gotten. I think this year, like we're like every year, you, you know, when you're prognosticating and talking about what the team could look like and, you know, what are the, the best chances for the team? You you always, you know, think in the back of your head, well, what's the worst case scenario for this football team? I think this is it. Like, I, I think we're seeing what the, what the worst case scenario was for this team. I, I think that that's what's playing out every Saturday. And um, it's, it's frustrating to watch the team, the team be, be fallen with the same issues every week. It's the, it's the, it's the consistent special teams problems despite Tucker Holloway and his, his awesome return uh, two weeks ago, it's the consistent uh, defensive issues in the fourth quarter. And, and more importantly, it's the constant struggle on offense where it seems like the offense is just incapable of, of sustaining a drive and then being able to build on that drive. Um I mean, Tech goes out and and scores on in two plays in the first you know first drive of this game, and then uh, ends up punting on the Duke forty three, which I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's <laughs> whatever. We'll just move on. Tech immediately goes three and out on the next three possessions. I like, don't. I was I was muted, Ricky, but like we don't have to move on from that. We can we can talk about that for a uh, second. I just like look. I am. I am probably one of the most conservative guys on this podcast when it comes to like when you go for it, going for points, going for two, kicking the field goal, going for it on fourth down, things like that. Like I'm generally of the mindset that you, you want to do the the more conservative decision. Um, But on fourth, what was it like fourth and five? Yeah, it was Duke, fourth on the Duke forty-three. It was four. I'd have to go back and look like, at the uh, drive chart. It was fourth and manageable. And like my my main takeaway from that is like, why are you unwilling to test the Duke defense? That was the tweet I had. Like, why are you unwilling to test? It, it's not like Duke's Duke's been very good this year, Ricky and Andrew. Like Duke's been very good, right? They're they're well coached, but. Tech wasn't exactly playing like Clemson's athletes or like even North Carolina's athletes. North Carolina's recruited really well, right? It wasn't like that tier of athlete on the field that Tech's offense well, even, can serve, even if it like, is, conservatively all like, game. Who cares? 
you're, you're two, two and eight. And, you're two, two and, and seven. seven, I guess. Yeah, two and seven, right? I mean, you know, at some point, like, it really when, is like, what's the worst possible case scenario? Yeah, like, especially you lose again. <laughs> yeah, like if you're if you're down bad like this, try and create a spark. I, I just, you know, it's, it's. It, it, it was just a really, really rough game to watch because it, it, as soon as they punted there, you felt like, man, like this is – that was it, right? Like that was that was Tech's chance to, to actually try and take control of the football game. And um, rather than roll the dice and, and try and create something, you know, they – they punt and and Duke starts with it what on the 20, right? So it's touchback. So you net what 20 yards of field position and you and you pass up on a fourth and five. Yeah, I'm I don't know that the the coaching staff has not only not had the the positive impact that I I foresaw and probably um Looking back on it, I, I shouldn't have have thought that they were going to do that, but I think this coaching staff has had a negative impact on the roster up and down, um, whether it be at quarterback, whether it be on the offensive line, um, I, at linebacker. I, 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 it, it's, it's been really up and down. Up that's and down right. The roster. And and Andrew, Andrew, I'll let you jump in here in a second, but I, I just want to say real quick. Ricky, that's that's right on the money. And I want people to take this the wrong way because I think people will misconstrue what I'm saying. So I want to be very, very clear here. Like firing Fuente was the right thing to do. And I do still think I still think that long term this will be okay with Pry and his staff. I think they're doing a lot of the right things off the field. And I would like to see some of the results on the field, obviously. Their early returns have not been very good, but I want to see kind of what this looks like with their guys but what i will say is that like fuente would not have had this this roster at two and eight through 10 games they they would not be two and eight right so ricky you're talking about like the negative impact on this year's team right in terms of this coaching staff like from a from a record standpoint i don't think fuente and his staff would have this team two and eight i think they'd be a lot closer to bowl eligibility with that being said, firing Fuente was the right thing to do. They yeah, need well, to move I mean, on. Like, yeah, but would they be good? No. No, 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 no. 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 I'm not saying they'd be like nine and but three or something. I'd say they'd be, be like five. Would they six be points. two and eight? No. Right. Right. And right. and it's it's excruciating to watch the offense go out there and just bang their head against the wall for four quarters. There's there, I feel like there's been no, you know, creative ways that have that, that, that Tyler Bowen has tried to flip the switch and, and tried to to light the fuse. They just keep going out there and running the same the same offense week after week. And at a certain point, you have to wonder, like, what are you expecting to happen? Like, are you are you expecting to go out there and score seven points against Duke? Are you expecting to to once again not hit the thirty point threshold? I mean, I don't know. I'm. I was I was very frustrated watching the Duke game because I feel like 
th there have not been significant attempts to make changes that may or may not spark the offense. Um, and I, I tweeted after the game, I don't think Grant Wells needs to be playing quarterback for the rest of the season. Um, and I, I know that there's probably no chance that that, that change happens, but to me, I don't see any value at, at this point putting him out there for the next two games. Yeah, I mean, you, you obviously touched on a lot. Like, in, in terms of Wells, I, I don't want to go out and pin all the blame on one person because... Yeah, it's definitely not all on him. Not all no, on him. No. But at the same time, you know... Virginia Tech fans, you know, coming into the year, the talk was, oh, he's going to be like a Ryan Willis, a gunslinger. That's literally what I thought. That's yeah. exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah I, was, I took the words right out of your mouth, Ricky, and, you know, it, it was an opinion that was moderately highly shared. That, that was what we were in for. Like, Ryan Willis threw 24 touchdowns to nine interceptions in his full season with Virginia Tech. Grant Wells is nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like this is, I, I suppose with the exception, even with last year, Braxton Burmeister, you can pin some of it on the fact that he was hurt when he played poorly. And with Burmeister, you know, throwing the football was just part of his game. That was kind of baked into the cake. His speed was an entirely different weapon. You know, this is the worst quarterback play that we've seen at Virginia Tech in a long time. In terms of the offensive line play, a lot of the these guys played last year, and they weren't playing this poorly. The offensive line has looked as bad as I've ever seen it in terms yeah. of my like my adult life. Like even even like the 2014, 2013, 2015 Hokies, you know, those those those, you know, kind of late beamer years, those offensive lines weren't very good. They were better than this. Yeah. I so the offensive line is so bad that like it makes me wonder right because like joe rudolph's got i, I don't want to let joe rudolph off the hook totally because like he does certainly he, he deserves his share of the blame here but like he's got too long of a track record of quality coaching for me to just think he forgot how to coach when he got here so now i'm working off of the theory that and and again he shares some of the blame right but I'm working off of a theory here. Like, what if these guys just suck? Well, I mean, that's that's probably not a bad theory, but I think something that's worth mentioning, and, and you know, Stephen Newman, buddy of mine, pointed this out to me multiple times now. Um, Joe Rudolph is not an offensive scheme fit with Tyler Bowen. He's just, he's just not. Joe Rudolph comes from a power, a power background. Um, they, he has that, that is the offense that he has experience in. That's the blocking scheme that he's familiar with. That is not what Tyler Bowen wants to run historically speaking. And it's not a lot of what he's wanted to run this year. 
Tyler Bowen is much more of a zone blocking zone running team. Um, and I think that that's played a big role in why the running game has been so poor is that you've got coaches coming from two very different backgrounds and Joe Rudolph is having to go outside of what he's taught for the entirety of his career. And it has, it clearly hasn't worked. Okay. Like, honestly, like, let's just kind of go for it here. I'm sure that we'll <laughs> have for it. this conversation again. But right now, today, you think that Tyler Bowen needs to go? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to say yes, but, like, I'm not going to say no either. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, the early returns, I mean, uh, however, like, whatever side you fall on, here, like, like, the am, early like returns a, are not good. Am, am I, I am I'm, I am in, in no way impressed with, with the, uh, the creativity, the rhythm, the player development that we've seen from, from Tyler Bowen in year one, in, in no way am I, am I impressed or pleased um, or satisfied with how this offense has looked with that said, depending on, you know, what direction you go in, I think there's value in allowing a, a coach an entire off season to kind of re reevaluate himself and, and, and try and get better. Cause let, let's, you know, let's, let's, you know, make it clear here. And this is something that I think I, you know, didn't put enough emphasis on before the season started. This is a pretty green coaching staff, relatively speaking, especially on the offensive end. Brad Glenn does not have much, if any experience at the power five level, Tyler Bowen, had barely any experience as a play caller. Uh, Joe Rudolph is, yes, a very veteran coach, uh, but not in this kind of scheme. And Fontel Mines um, is, I don't believe, have any experience at the P5 level. Uh, Stu Holt was an entirely different discussion. If there was a, if there was an assistant that I would move on from at the end of the season, it would be Stu Holt. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go out there and say that Bowen needs to go, but I, I do think that this off season that there needs to be some real soul searching as to what the offense wants to look like, and they need to come to terms with what that's going to be, and then move in that direction. Because this entire season, they have they they've had no identity um, on, on the offensive end. So here's here's why I would not get rid of Tyler Bowen. And I agree with everything Ricky said, and it's hard. I mean, there, there's nothing, there's been nothing impressive about anything that's happened on the offensive side of the ball. So let's not sit here and pretend like there has been, but what I will say is like, when you take a step back uh, to let me, let me back up real quick, two things. Number one, the offense should not be as bad as it is. Right. So let's get that out of the way quickly. But number two, like this offense also should not be very good either. The offensive line, regardless of what you think of the starters, because I overvalued the starters coming into the year. I was guilty of that. I thought the offensive line would be better I think than we it all is. Did, Mike. Yeah, well, 
yeah, I, I won't take that too hard, but like I, th- I thought they'd be like mediocre, right? I didn't think they'd be great, but I didn't think they'd be bad. Like I thought they'd be a decisively like middle of the road unit in the ACC is what I thought. Yeah, they are not that at all. Um, if it weren't for Boston College, I was going to say who's like, is worse, BC or Tex? Probably BC. Um, and the only reason I say BC at this point is because they they are starting basically five freshmen now because they they keep having guys get hurt, right? So they're basically a, dwelling of their two deep um they're almost in like their three and four deep at this point on the offensive line it's not good uh but the offensive line's been really 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 bad also like when i look across this roster there's only like a couple of playmakers on offense but like the rest of these players i'm not too convinced would be starting or playing significant snaps at the power five level anywhere else like all right so take that in reverse who would be Mm-hmm. Um, Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith. Uh, healthy Malachi Thomas. Keyshawn maybe, King. Maybe maybe Keyshawn King. But outside of that, like I've and well, and I'm really high on Daquan Wright, but yes. the coaching staff doesn't seem to really want to play him as much as he probably should be playing. So I'm I'm not sure if that's I'm not sure what's going on there. But um, that would be about it. That would be about it. I don't know. Uh, the running back room outside of Thomas and King is worthless. Um, the receiving core is simply just not very good outside of Caleb Smith and Caleb Smith is not, he's been, he's been really, he, th- he's been the bright spot. Like he's been a, he's been a very good receiver. He good, has reliable held his receiver. own and then some. Yeah. Like I didn't think I was skeptical that he'd be able to step in as a number one receiver and, and play well. He's been good, man. Um, he's been, I got no, I got no complaints about Caleb Smith. I think he's been good, uh, but the rest of the offense, man, it's it's been rough. So back to the Tyler Bowen piece. Part of me is also like, well, what is he supposed to do? Like this raw this this offensive side of the football is just not very good. It should be performing better than it is, but it's just not very good. Why Bottom is it line. not very good? Personnel. I mean, just flat out personnel. Um, I just don't think the players are good enough. And that's, that's really what it boils down to for me. So yeah, on one hand, the offense should be better on the other hand. Like, I'm not sure what the ceiling of this offense is. I don't think it's very high. So it's like, even if it was playing better, like what's the, what's the ceiling of this offense? You guys think, I I don't know, but I, it's gotta be higher than this, right? We can't sit here and say, this isn't a two and eight football team and then deflect on all like reasons as to why things are so bad and point to talent. I mean, I think it's moronic. Well, no, I think it's both. I mean, I think, I think it's absolutely both. Like it's not, it's not a two and eight football team, but like, it wasn't a surefire bowl team either. Like Vegas had them at six. Vegas had the over under at six, right? Six or six and a half. Like this was not a surefire bowl team either. So like, I don't think the coaching has been nearly as good as it should be. Right. But also I'm like, the ceiling's not very high either. Right. Like the reasons why people were pointing to seven, eight wins, myself included, by the way, saying tech would go seven and five. The reason why people were saying that is because of the schedule. Ricky said nine wins, mostly because of the schedule. Like 
and Tech's still performing poorly against that. So like it's it's everything. Tech's it's everything. Main, Tech's main issues on offense as is, is, as I see it are a they can't block whether it be in the pass game or the run game, and b um, they do not have the requisite weapons to be able to create big plays consistently. Um, Hell, any plays consistently. Yeah. Like well, intermediate, in the intermediate game so either. Just what's, what's one way that you potentially may be able to, to alleviate some pressure in both of those areas? Find scheme. a quarterback scheme. that can improvise. Yeah, or scheme. Yeah, so, or scheme it better. So I've been beating this drum for like two weeks now. They they have not allowed Grant Wells to improvise nearly enough on the offensive end. When he does go out and improvise and he gets outside the pocket and he gets in the perimeter, he's actually been able to, to move the ball and make some throws. Um, but he's not doing that nearly enough. So yep. for these last two games, get you a quarterback that has the mobility to make that stuff happen more consistently. Number seven, come on up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I don't know what y'all's thoughts on Grant Wells for the next two games are, but I, I think this offense needs to go ahead and, and move, move on from Grant Wells. And you're not burning Devin Farrell's red shirt in these two games. Um, he's not playing particularly strong opponents in either, in either one of these games. Um, this is about as good of an audition as he's going to get. Yeah, I mean, Liberty's a Liberty's a paper tiger, eight and two. I mean, they have not beaten a team over five hundred this year. Ricky, Ricky, and I were looking at that before we hit record tonight. They have not beaten a team over with a with the five hundred or better record. Um, yeah, I, I guess they 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 beat a couple five and five. Teams. I mean, they've beaten a few five and five teams. Yes, their best win is Arkansas. I think we would all agree. Just given the conference they're in. But like outside of that, they really have not beaten anybody. They're a double digit favorite though. So <laughs> there's a reason for that. But this is not a roster. It's like overwhelmingly overwhelmingly better. But I think it says a lot that Tech's a double digit underdog here going into this game. Would either of I, you start I, Devin Farrell? I, I, I would just like to interject here because I feel like we've been doing this for a few weeks now as like a fan base at large. Like we're not really in a position at this point to be talking about the strength of our opponents. No, I I've been beating that drum coming, like coming into the year, I was beating that drum. It's like, right. I I'm, I'm with, I'm 1000% with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the winnable portion of the schedule being Georgia tech Duke, Liberty, there. UVA. There it's was like, no, there was no winnable portion of the schedule. It turns out, right? Like, yeah, like the old Dominion game was, was not the winnable portion of the schedule. Yeah. Apparently, it's like, yeah, it turns out that wasn't a fluke. But alas, I mean, it, it's just a matter of obviously they're not starting Farrell for a reason at this point, and it's a matter of you know whether you think a like. To Ricky's point, the ability to get outside the pocket and get creative from what he can do right now is 
truly going to be to your benefit and throwing off whatever sync and you know experience this offense that's playing together whether that's worth it and if it's a question that's up in the air and you think that it could potentially take the offense down a notch like low low floor high ceiling situation like is it worth risking that and potentially you know finishing two and ten because look i mean at the end of the day as much as these games don't matter we're all going to feel a lot better they were somehow win both we're going into the offseason feel a lot better than if they were to lose both like and from a momentum standpoint having that be the last two games of the season and of course like the uva game is always a big momentum win and if that is a win at this point, it's not necessarily going to feel like that big momentum win that it otherwise would, just given the circumstances going on over there. But there, you know, anything that you can add to the resume to show improvement down the line is going to be important. And if Tech could beat Liberty and they could beat UVA and make a, you know, a somewhat coherent argument, like, you know, the Scott Frost argument. Yeah, we lost to Miami and we lost to Georgia Tech and we lost to NC State, but those were all one possession losses against teams with arguably better talent the ship is not sinking. All is not lost. The bottom falls out. The bottom falls out. again. Like you need to be able to craft your, you know, the politics that is coach speak spin as to why everything is going to be all right. Because that argument matters. Perception matters in college football, and if the entire world is looking at this program at the end of the year and saying two and 10 Virginia tech, what the hell happened? Yeah. It's I, hard to come back from that. I think I, I agree with, I agree with that at the same time. I'm also like Pry should play the kids to see what he's got. Like when live bullets are flying, but maybe he already knows what he's got, right? There's no way he knows what he's got with the young guys. There's no way. Why not? Because he's had, he's had barely any time with them. I mean, he's he's had plenty of practice time with them. If they're, I mean, if they look bad in practice, he's not gonna have he, any confidence throwing them out there in the game, right? I mean, these guys are so this, Ricky. I I hear I hear what you're saying, but like, they are. This team is so bad right now that like. If they're not playing the guys behind them, like it's got to be real, real bad. We we thought the depth was bad. It's got to be really, really bad behind them. And I think they should play the. I think they should play the kids the, the last few games. I agree with you, but like, Fry might have an idea what he's got there already. So, but, but what is the difference? Well, for for me, for well, to to the fan or to Pry, because I think to Pry, he's thinking. 
especially if he plays well as the last two games, which I think he's going to, he's thinking, I want to get momentum with him going into next year because I, because he probably thinks Wells is going to be his quarterback next year. If he's going to be thinking that. Yeah. Well, he better not. Well, nine, nine touchdowns, I, nine picks, less I, than 59% completion percentage. I agree. That's I your, agree. that's your 2023 starter. I, I agree, but Grant, Grant Wells cannot be the starter next year. I agree with that. I agree with that. But like from prize standpoint, he also can't cast him off because he does not have a plan B right now. Who's his plan B? Jason Brown is the backup. He's a grad transfer. Farrell is clearly not ready or else he would have played already. Bullock's going to transfer. And Tech's got one quarterback in this class coming up. So like the option is the portal, but who's available? He doesn't know yet. So like he can't, if he alienate my, my point is if he alienates Grant Wells and Grant Wells is the best quarterback option on this roster right now, and he he's not able to land somebody who's better than Grant Wells in the portal. This is a really, really, really bad situation at the quarterback. It's already a really, really, really bad situation. It could be worse. I'll take, could, I'll, I'll take Mike's point. You know, I think you're, I think you're right. That's from prize standpoint, and I agree. I don't think I I don't think Wells should be the quarterback next year. I'm thinking from like prize standpoint, like the depth is bad behind them right now, right? Like I think Farrell Farrell's going to be around, so I I'm advocating for playing Farrell the last two games. But if he doesn't, I I get it. I understand why he wouldn't, because he doesn't know what he's got in the portal yet. And he doesn't have anybody. He's got one quarterback committed in this 23 class, and he's a mid-tier three-star who's probably not going to be ready right away. So, like, the depth is so bad, and he doesn't know what he's got in the portal. And Brown graduates, and he alienates Wells, and Wells leaves. Like, they got nothing at quarterback next year. Nothing at quarterback. I find it hard to believe that Brent Pry would not be able to find a Grant Wells equivalent in the transfer portal next year. I mean, I I agree, but then there's also there's also flashes with Wells where I'm like, where do you rank him among the ACC quarterbacks? You know the entire league currently. I mean, towards the bottom, towards the bottom. Who's worse? I don't I don't know what he does well, if anything. I'm trying I mean, to think of the. I'm I'm trying to go it, through. Like I mean, I hate to be I hate to be negative, and I I, I hate to sound like attacking. Yeah, but like the, argue, the argument of, and I mean certainly I, I suppose he could be worse, but like the argument of, oh, but like you see the flashes of greatness. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, like he's a Division One quarterback, like he knows how to throw a football. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's like you know to be the quarterback of Virginia Tech with the goals and aspirations that Virginia Tech has as a uh, program. It's like you'd hope you could do a little bit better. Grant Wells is boys, is boys. I hate to I hate to break in and do this. The baby is screaming, so I'm going to break away for a few minutes. I'm hoping to return, but if I don't, please continue. Thank okay, you. thank you. Um, continue. Grant Wells is currently tied for the second worst completion percentage in the ACC 
or excuse me, is second worst in completion percentage in the ACC. And he's also tied for the lowest yards per attempt in the ACC as well. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just, I think the notion and the idea of Grant Wells coming in, right, was dude's got a lot of eligibility left. He could be a three-year starter at Virginia Tech. I think that idea is out the window. In a a world of the modern-day college football landscape where, you know, especially at the quarterback position, where a transfer can change the trajectory of your program, given the position that Virginia Tech's in right now, I mean, that's their best hope for solid improvement. So if if that's not priority numero uno going into the offseason, then the priorities aren't straight. It's just reality. I think Grant Wells would look better, obviously, with a better offensive line and some better weapons around him. But he has not been a net positive for this offense. And I think that's enough over these last 10 games and ultimately probably going to end up being the entire season to be able to determine that he is not he, – he cannot be the quarterback – on a on a resurgent roster and a resurgent program next season, which ultimately means tech needs to go in another direction. And I'm not saying that Devin Farrell is the guy. He may, he 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 probably isn't. Odds are is Devin Farrell isn't the guy. With that said, you don't really know if he's the guy until you give him a shot and. I understand that Devin Farrell is probably making freshman mistakes in practice. And he probably has days where he looks really, really rough out there, but Grant Wells looks really, really rough out there like in the game. And Grant Wells has got what, 25, 30 starts under his belt. So I don't, I just, I don't really know what you have to lose at this point by making a change and, and trying to, give your offense a fighting chance to be able to build on something over these, these last two games, because I I think we've seen enough out of Grant Wells through the first 10 games to confidently predict that this offense is not going to make any big strides over their last two games. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly hear your argument and I hear Mike's argument as well, which is like, until there's another option, you can't alienate the current option because you don't want to be stuck in a situation like, you know, for example, Justin Fuente found himself stuck in where Knox Kadem and Connor Blumrick were your only backups. Like, if you're going into next year with Farrell as a redshirt freshman, as QB one in the roster, that's not good. Now, yeah. if this coaching staff is incapable of bringing in a transfer quarterback, that's a red flag. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, is, that is that is, that is a, a red flag and a half. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, I, I I think that you know we talk about. There's plenty of blame to go around. 
And there's no like magic bullet change that can be made at this point. Like you, you are who you are the week before Thanksgiving. <laughs> like that's just, and Virginia Tech is an offense that has strung together seven decent quarters of football over the course of, you know, 10 full games offensively. Is that an understatement, overstatement? No, it seems, seems right on, right on, right seems on like they hit it for like one quarter per game sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't but remember a the last. A lot of zeros and threes on those quarterly breakdowns this season. Yeah, they're – I mean, this roster – I should say, the guys that are playing, like, we have seen what they are at this point. So, I think at 2-8 and eight with – zero momentum going into next season at the moment. Um, it would it would behoove Brent Pry and his staff to bring in some of the younger players uh, more often and allow them to get more reps and see if you can build on something over these last two games and, and, and try and try and build something new because what you've built over these 10 games for 2022 is not good enough. And they know that. We obviously know that. So try and build something different. And, you know, if you can get a head start on next year over these next two games, that's how you build some momentum going into next year. It, like, even if Tech were to lose these next two games, and just hypothetically speaking, Devin Farrell looked okay over those, those two games, you go into next year thinking, okay, Devin Farrell has at least has a chance to be QB one. So we're not feeling entirely awful about the quarterback position. Um, now, if he goes out there and bombs, well, at least you know what you've got, right? Like at least you have an idea as to what's in your room officially and not, you know, a guess from, you know, based on practice where he's running scout team or something like that. So, um, I think I think Tech needs to go ahead and, and make a change at quarterback. I think they need to bring in some of the younger receivers uh, more. I think we need to see Chance Black and Bryce Duke more at running back. Um, they should probably look at rotating some of the younger guys in on the offensive line. Uh, they should definitely try and do that at defensive end more. Um, at linebacker, I'd like to see uh, Dax probably get a, a few snaps more off. Um, and ultimately they need to do that anyway because Dax has had his own issues and they need to continue to play the young guys in the secondary. Um, you don't really have much to lose. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Ricky, you want to get into our ACC picks right now? You want to talk a little hoops first? What are, what are you thinking? Um, just one, I think just one quick thing on Liberty. Um, I'm actually like, this team's not very good. Like <laughs> at, at eight and two, they're they're actually not great. Like you look up and down this roster, and there's or excuse me, up and down the schedule of teams. 
that they've played. And there are a bunch of bad teams on the schedule that they've beaten. I mean, Akron has got to be one of the worst teams in, in, in the country. UMass, same thing. Um, Arkansas has been a disappointment this year. That's definitely their best win on the road. Uh, UConn, obviously losing last week. UConn's kind of an upstart team this year. Um, so like, yeah, tech is bad, obviously at two and eight, but they, the gap between Liberty, I think, and Virginia Tech exists much more in the coaching realm than it does on the roster. Like, when you go out and, and, and you watch the, the actual one-on-one matchups on Saturday, I don't think you're going to see that big of a difference in terms of the players on the field. I think the bigger difference may be the scheme, um, it may be actually some of the in-game management stuff and the adjustments. I think that that might be where the biggest difference is between these two teams. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're at a point yet where Liberty can have a roster that is far superior talent wise to Virginia tech, regardless of, you know, Virginia tech's lows of lows in terms of recruiting, but. And yeah, I don't think they're a world beater, but I, I think that there's a reason why Vegas has handicapped this game the way that they have. And that's the past is prologue. Let's jump into some ACC picks right here, Rick. Start it off. We'll get Mike's picks on the back end. Louisiana Lafayette travels to Florida State. Florida State, a 24-point favorite. 24 is a lot, but give me the Knowles, I think, to cover that. I think I'm with you there, Rick. The Billy Napier era at Louisiana is over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. That but is not the same football team. I'll take Florida State as they t- play Billy Napier's former former team a week ahead of playing his new team in Florida. Two teams that have beat Virginia Tech facing off. Duke heads to Pitt, or Pitt, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Blue Devils. Yeah, give me Duke. Duke Duke could easily win this game outright. So seven, football team. seven and a half points seems seems like a lot, um, especially with Pitt's offense being as, as rough as it is. So yeah, Duke, Duke with the points easy. Yeah, Duke Duke's a lot of things. They're not inconsistent, right? Correct. It's pretty much the same product week in and week out, which is you know. That would not be nice. Slightly above average <laughs> offense, slightly above average defense. <laughs> and in this ACC, that'll bring you to seven and three. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, BC heads to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, 21-point favorites. BC coming off a big win. Beat NC State. Yeah. T- 21 is a lot of points. Um Notre Dame, obviously, you know, that win over Clemson, what was huge for that, that team. I'm going to take Boston College to cover. I don't think BC wins, but I don't think Notre Dame's winning this game by more than 21. Notre Dame beat Syracuse and Clemson by both more than 21 points. Fair I will enough. be taking Notre Dame to win this game <laughs> against 
a team that Virginia Tech beat. And you can make a coherent argument is worse than Virginia Tech. I think Notre Dame will take care of business. Miami travels to Clemson. Clemson, 19-point favorites. Miami fighting for bowl eligibility here. They got two games to do it, Clemson and Pitt. They're not doing it this week. <laughs> give me give me Clemson to cover that. I'll take Miami to cover, but not by much. Clemson still wins handily. It'll be a big game against Pitt, though. Mario Cristobal trying to fight his fight and claw his way into a bowl game here. Yeah. Season where they, you know, were it's been a mess down team, there. Starting things off. Sorry, I exited off the page with the scores. <laughs> no, you're good. NC State, Louisville, Louisville, four point favorites. Uh, give me NC State. Yeah, I'll take the pack as well. Louisville very well could win this football game, but four points, you know, if we're going to give it the an NC State team that has obviously shown flashes throughout the season. And I think the freshman is is decent under center there. Give me NC State. Do we pick the Coastal UVA game? That may not happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I have I feel like they're gonna play, just kind of a, a hunch, but you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see how it goes. You know, it's it's not a it's it's not a super important game for the Who's. Um, I guess it, well, I guess it is Senior Day, so they they might want to play this game. Um, I I would I would pick Coastal Carolina if you made me pick this game. Um, UVA's two point underdog or two point favorites. Yeah, their their offense is really bad, and you know all the stuff that's going on uh, off the field right now. I mean, if, if, if none of that stuff had happened, I'd still would have picked coastal Carolina, I think, but UVA has got a, a ton on their plate at the moment and they're already a, a struggling football team. So yeah, I guess I would take the chance of clears. I'll take the, uh, I, I agree with, Almost everything you said, Rick, but I'll take the, uh, you know, the magical powers of sports and togetherness and UVA wins this game by more than two points. Georgia Tech, UNC. UNC. UNC minus 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah, UNC. Right. I'm with you. Drake May for Heisman, honestly. It's, it's, not, it's not out of the realm. They're up to number 13. Wow. I don't I, think they're that good. I, I really don't. Well, they've, they're the final coastal champion. We'll see yes. how they do against Clemson. Wake Syracuse, Wake the home team, and a 10-point favorite. I don't know what to make of either of these teams, honestly, especially Wake Forest. They've kind of fallen apart here in the second half of the season. Two and four in the ACC. Yeah, um, something's wrong with their offense. Ten, ten's a lot of points, but I know Syracuse has had their issues on the offensive end. 
Mm. I'll take Q's to cover that. I'll take Syracuse as well. I do think Wake wins, but I think that Syracuse can cover that. All right, last one here. Liberty minus nine and a half, hosting Tech. Tech's going to cover nine and a half, I think. Um, I agree. Liberty's, as you mentioned, Liberty's not very good. They have a weapons issue on offense as well. Um, I think they've, they've got one guy on their team. Um, Demario Douglas, who has 57 catches. The next guy's got 19. Uh, this offense has had a lot of struggles at the quarterback position. Jonathan Bennett really hasn't become or made things much better than Caden Salter, uh, who was starting earlier in the season. Um, Virginia Tech's defense, I think, will keep this game pretty close. Uh, I'm going to feign a little bit of ignorance on Liberty's defense, but I think we all know just about what the Hokies offense is at this point. Regardless, Tech's defense is good enough to keep this within 10 points. So uh, I think the Hokies lose this game, but uh, I do not think they're going to lose by more than 10 or 10 or more, I should say. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think they cover, but... I don't know. Hard to pick a team to win that has lost seven straight. Yeah, it's shown itself to be allergic to winning. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a great way to put it, Andrew, because they really have been allergic to winning. Yeah. Even when they get themselves in positions to win, they have not been able to win. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory week in and week out. It's consistently <laughs> at this point, almost impressive. All right, Ricky, well, my laptop is about to die here. Any last words for the folks at home? Uh, RIP to Mike's sleep schedule once again, um, who had to abandon the podcast. Take care of the little one. Uh, sorry about your luck, bud. Uh, rate, review, subscribe as always. Go to Main Street Pharmacy if you're in Blacksburg for all of your pharmaceutical needs. Uh, make sure you follow us all on Twitter. And uh, definitely check out that link uh, to the Barstool merchandise. That's all the proceeds are going to the families of those, those Virginia players uh, and their, um, and all those, those loved ones who need all of our support right now. Um, you know, as, as a school that's dealt with our own fair share of tragedy, I think we can appreciate it maybe more than, more than others. Um, so I think the tech community has certainly rallied around them and I hope we'll continue to do so um, as long as they need it. Yep. I echo everything that Ricky just said. My thoughts and prayers with UVA and everyone in the Charlottesville community. Uh, as for Mike, we're lucky that we had him for the first 40 minutes of this thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll take what we can get. We'll be back uh soon either to preview uva or recap uva we'll see thanksgiving's tough might be might be a skippable podcast that they lose to liberty but we shall see until then my friends go Hokies! and we didn't even talk about basketball so get excited for some more positive podcasts down the line go Hokies! <laughs>